From the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for discussions and speculations and theorizations and reviews of all things Trek. My name is Scott, and joining me at this particular virtual table, we have, as usual, Rick. How are you, sir? I am here. (laughs) And, wonderful. (laughs) Outstanding work. Uh, and we have from the usually colder than here, but apparently not lately, uh, Wilds of Canada. We have neat. Was that was that uh, was that insensitive? It, it has been cold here lately. Oh, OK, good. Well, it's been bizarrely cold. It's June. This is meant to be summer, but it's been like spring weather. All right. Well, then from the uh, unseasonably cold, uh, uh, wild, wild areas of of Canada, the we have wild. Yeah, no. I'm not from the wild areas. <laughs> I've only I've only been there once, and I think it was before I was a teenager. So to to me, it's 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 the wilds. Well, Nick, how are how are you? I'm okay. Good. Let's clarify. What do you mean by wild? <laughs> I like the wilds. Like it's all nothing but trees and forests up there, right? Okay, sure. It's just like we're hip deep in alligators down here in Florida. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And here I am in Michigan, just surrounded by cars and cherries. Are, are, are you we, very we far away from the here. fires, I hope? Uh, I don't know. Describe far away. Like, well, it's it's odd to me that the fires are geographically not that far, but we've not had a problem here in Montreal. It's like it went right over us and went down to New York for some reason. Oh. It's very odd. Well, good for you. Yeah the, yeah, the pictures from New York were really weird, although, you know, it went orange for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, apparently in other places <laughs> in Canada, it's also really bad, but in my particular pocket, it's totally fine. Well, yay. But you know what doesn't stink? <laughs> Star Trek. Star Trek doesn't stink. <laughs> it doesn't smell bad. It smells like adventure and newness as we uh, prepare to welcome season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds which will debut on Thursday, June 15th. We are recording this on Friday, June the 9th. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we're expecting, what we're hoping to see in this second season of Strange New Worlds. And then we're going to move on to the fun part of the conversation. Well, at least what I think is going to be the fun part. We're going to uh, go over a few of what we, what we the panelists, consider to be the most hotly anticipated season premieres in the history of Star Trek. What the, the season premieres that we personally were most excited for. Um, as an example that I'm sure a lot of, a lot of listeners would say, uh, season 
four of Next Generation. Well, there Best goes of mine. Both Worlds Part Two. <laughs> uh, see, I, I took away the easiest one because that's low hanging fruit. <clears throat> okay, let me let me explain. First of all, I thought you said which one of the upcoming two shows that are premiering soon are we looking forward to. Um, so that's why I was puzzled when you said what, what you know historically. Um, but ah, okay. So. I'm not sure I have an answer for that once we get to it, because it was just Star Trek's coming back in September. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) There is no way I'm not watching it. So. And that is Discovery, right? At this at this point, I'm I'm uncertain about whether it's Discovery or Lower Decks that's coming in September. Oh, no, neither of them are coming in September. I'm just talking about in his historically speaking. Oh, that's okay. Back yep. back when we had twenty six episode seasons that would break it in the summer, and then when, it would. Yeah, when everything started in September and everything ended in May. Yes. As far as television goes, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. I was a child once. I I'm old. This. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Star Trek: Strange New World, season two. What do you guys think? Are you excited? Are you are you meh? Are you lackluster? Could you, could, could you not care less? How are you guys feeling about this new season <laughs> coming up in less than a week? We're going to start with Neek, who felt it necessary to chuckle at my question. <laughs> of course I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is what we do. We, we have no lives outside of watching Star Trek. Right, oh, right this, guys? This is, this, is, this is what we do? Okay. <laughs> this is Great. what I do. Great for um, me. On a scale of one to five, how excited are you for the next season of Prodigy to get here? Yeah, I'm less excited for Prodigy, yeah. but I, I'm extremely excited for Strange New Worlds. Yeah, it, it next to Lower Decks, it's my favorite of the new treks. Uh, so yeah, I am looking forward to it, but I, I'm not someone who speculates because nine times out of ten I get uh, disappointed if I if I start looking forward to something specific. So I'm just sort of in, in a nebulous way looking forward to it coming back. Mm-hmm. This this is where this particular podcast can sometimes run into uh, a, a couple bumps in the road because I love to theorize about what might be coming. And then no. I, love, I love to find out whether or not I'm right. And I'm usually <laughs> not. And one would think that after being wrong and disappointed so many times that one would stop. But that's no. not how I work, apparently. I, it is it, apparently in your DNA because yeah, you and Tom you are. do it together. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> how about it? But when I'm the yeah, only person on, when I'm the only person on the panel that likes to theorize, then it can kind of... It can sometimes leave us with not a whole lot to talk about. Rick, well, what are you looking forward to? Oh, okay, go ahead. What, well, what I was just going to say, I feel like you invited us here so that we could listen to you theorize. <laughs> because you <laughs> you felt like you'd be lonely to do it by yourself. I've, I've tried solo podcasts before, and there's a reason why I am not doing them anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, go ahead, Rick. <laughs> when you th- when you think that you've put together a script that will get you through a, a single host podcast for a nice thirty minute episode, and seven minutes later you finish your entire script, <laughs> yeah, it's problematic. You got to slow down a little bit, Scott. I, I can tell you, as a teacher, that happens to me all the time. I'll think I've got you know, I've definitely got a full a full class workload of of work here, and it's done in ten minutes. Or 
geez, I haven't got like anywhere near enough material for today, and then we don't get like halfway through it in the class. So it's it's not just you. The theorizing is you and just you and Tom. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's true. Um, well, aside from theories, Rick, do you have anything to say, anything particular that you are looking forward to? Not necessarily that you think is going to happen, but anything from the from the promotional material that you're looking forward to. I, I am, I am, of course, excited about Strange New Worlds. Uh, I agree with with Neek and most of the Trek fan community. I think Strange New Worlds has been the least divisive of the new shows to come out. Uh, it's hard to tell like what they're doing with the trailers because there's an awful lot of kissing in the trailers and I'm really hoping that's all from like one episode where it's you know kind of similar to the the you know <laughs> where where uh Waxana went through Bajoran menopause and everybody on the ships uh, on DS9 started snogging everybody else um otherwise there's a lot of weird couplings coming up in in the next season um I think my my biggest concern with the trailers and with the promotional materials is, and I understand the need to bang this drum because Lower Decks is probably the most popular of the new Trek shows before Strange New Worlds came out. Um, And I think we are all, uh, and if I'm speaking out of turn for either of y'all, I apologize and please correct me, but I think we're all really psyched about the, the, the Boimler, uh, uh, Mariner appearance on Strange New Worlds. I just don't want them telling us anything else about it. Because it's yeah. getting dangerously close to giving everything away. And, uh, you know, I so far, I'm glad the only thing we've seen are the two of them standing there and then the awkward live long and prosper, uh, which is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to know anything more about it. I'm, yeah. that's, that's, I'm looking forward to that so much and I really don't want it spoiled before we get to it. And it, it seems like so far they're doing a pretty good job of keeping that under control. We're less than a week out from the beginning of the season, and they still haven't shown us more than that. So they're on the right track. I think the only hurdle that they have left to clear is if they do a next week on Strange New Worlds uh, trailer. And Which I, I never watch those if they have them anyway. Yeah, I, I usually don't come across them either. Uh, so hopefully... They'll just keep it nice and quiet until it happens, then let everyone see it unfold when it comes. Uh, and listeners, we have an extra special treat for everyone uh, joining our program already in progress. We have host of the Quantum Leap podcast. He thought he was going to sneak in here without anyone pointing out the fact that he's late, but we're not going to let that happen. Host of the Quantum Leap podcast, Christopher D. Philippus. That's, How are you? I'm extra, extra special. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what are we talking about? Did you get a haircut? <laughs> no, I was just kind of windblown, and then I was like, ah. if I was f***ing with it because <laughs> I'm on camera and I'm self-conscious about my hairline these days. But Yeah, anyway. I know the feeling. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I was going for a look of, I don't care what my hair looks like, but didn't pull it off, apparently. <laughs> it, it, well, okay. Anyway, why are we talking about my freaking hair? I already dropped an F-bomb. I'm sorry, John, if you're editing this. For, for what it's worth... I envy all y'all that have a full head of hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, Chris, we are discussing Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Just uh, we're, we're just getting into the, the general uh, expectations. Are you excited for it? What, if anything in particular, are you looking forward to, especially this season? Uh, th- things like that. If you have any theories about what you think will happen, then feel free to share them. Apparently, I'm the theory guy and no one else has any theories. But if you have any, go ahead and say it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have any theories. Obviously, there's going to be some time travel involved. Um, if I had one thing, just based on my reaction to the trailer that we saw, I want to write an open letter. Dear Star Trek, Star Trek is not a workplace comedy. Star Trek is a military science fiction show. Thank you, Star Trek. Live long and prosper. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of, and this is probably just trailer stuff because they want to make it as engaging to the, you know, to the wide o- widest audience possible, right? But it just seems too goofy. It just seems too... Uh, it, it, everything's an aside. Everything is snork. Everything... And I've, 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 I've gone down this road before so many times on the podcast. I'm sorry to be a broken record about it, but that's the one thing that annoyed me is just that it's military operation. There should be some decorum, and I would like to see that side of it. Um, uh, yeah, because the original series was never goofy or snarky. Carry but, on. But, but, <laughs> but, this is everybody's all, uh, it's a completely different vibe, Meek. It really is. It, it just is. Like, it's just snark for the sake, sake of snark. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's just the trailer. It could be amazing. It could be like the Omelas episode every season, every every episode. It could be great. Um, I don't know that I have any theories. Uh, are they going to meet some Klingons? I have a theory that they're going to meet some Klingons. Well, they showed I that. A, I have a theory that they're going to time travel to a supermarket in Canada. <laughs> I have a theory that they're going to make the Enterprise spin really cool and cut through an asteroid. Um, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> and really, the only lingering storyline is the one with Una and what are we going to do about her with the court martial is that going to be a one and done or is that going to be a couple episodes in the beginning like how's that going to work out I wouldn't be surprised if it works out now that I'm thinking about it theory if you want a theory that Rebecca Rebecca Romaine is sidelined for the first couple episodes because she didn't seem to appear all that much in season one anyway so it seemed like we went whole episodes with her just having like a cursory line or a nod. So I don't Wasn't know. Is like, she doing what... another series? I, I, I don't know. So maybe this was a way for them to write her out conveniently so that she could do whatever she's contractually obligated to do. But her her like her her being gone is okay, this is why she's gone, so we're not really missing her. It's 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 sort of an in-universe reason why we never see the first officer. And I'm looking forward to seeing Carol Kane. Yeah, that's going to be mm. fun. Yeah. Look, looking forward to that. I'm uh, excited to see how her uh, engineer role shapes up. I was not, un- until we saw the trailers, I wasn't necessarily expecting that uh, Jim Kirk was going to be showing up again in this season. But... We're getting him at least once. I don't know if he's going to be become more of a fixture. Um, I well, think we're, we're still a good, like, what, seven to ten years before he takes command? I forget the timeline, but that's about, that's. I think that's about right. I think it's the show started 15 years before. I think uh, they said that now Pike is in his second five-year mission on the Enterprise. Didn't they only do two? 
I think we might only be, you know, like five because he's still he's only got a couple of years left before he gets, you know, melted into the chair. So yeah, yeah. I. I forget the timeline as far as how much time we have between what we're seeing on the show and when that accident takes place. I recall that we were told Discovery was taking place 10 years before Kirk commanded the Enterprise. Oh, and okay. and then we see Pike in season two of Discovery, and now we're a couple years beyond that. So they've got a handful of years. It's, I suppose, not out of the realm of possibility to make Jim Kirk a regular crew member on the Enterprise from where, from which point he will rise up to be given command of the ship when Pike either, uh, you know, takes a promotion to Admiral, at which point he has his accident. Because I don't think the accident takes him out of the captain's chair. He's already... No, he was a Commodore when that happened. He was already doing training drills. Right. So maybe... It's, so we are theorizing, I guess. They they might at least have a framework in place. Maybe not necessarily a timeline, but a framework in place where they can put James Kirk on the crew and they will wrap up the series of Strange New Worlds when Pike takes a promotion to Commodore and Kirk takes command of the Enterprise, credits, end of series. Because now if you want, if you want to continue, then just restart with TOS season one and you're continuing the timeline. Mm, uh, I don't mm, see that both happening. Rick and I are like, ah. <laughs> I, I think you're giving them way too much credit for trying to, to keep the timeline pristine. <laughs> They're not. I mean, they Pro- said, probably they said, you know, if we, if we have to, you know, brush up against Canon and knock it down every once in a while this season, it's words to that effect. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. we're which I'm remarkably it. fine with. I'm finding. I, I look at it this way, Rick, and I've, I've always felt this way. I mean, what was there is what I love and no one can ever take that away from me. Mm-hmm. So if they're telling the story that's supposed to jive with what I love, I'll just pick out the pieces that fit with what I love and find new things to love about what they're doing now. I love a lot about it. I mean, I know I came in saying, you know, kind of dissing it a little bit. That's, but it's just my biggest fear is just, I'm so sick of like Captain Space Dad. Like I want, I want Jellico. Like I want a freaking Jellico series. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I, 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 want, I, I love, you know Pike. what? No, I, I want, I want Cisco. That's what I want. I want Cisco and I want Jim. I want Jim, but not, not as strange in the world's Jim. I want, you know, I want, I want Rathacon Jim. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I like Pike a lot. Um, I would like to see him just once just snap on the bridge and go, well, someone f- can do what I tell him to do mm-hmm. the first time, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going back to discovery. <laughs> yeah. um, nobody, you know, and I, and I agree with you to some extent, like I would really love to hear Erica just once go, I captain and do what he told her. Right. To <laughs> right. If Sulu like turned around and gave like Kirk, like a, like a smirk and a snark with every freaking order, Sulu would have been drummed off the bridge in about five minutes mm-hmm. or, or, give us a reason why she and he have this almost combative relationship. You know, I, I like the care. I, lo- I love Erica. I love, I love, uh, um, and I'm blanking on her last name. Ortegas. Ortegas. Thank you. Um, I love the character. Uh, I like, you know, I love the fact that, you know, we've got this really kick-ass pilot 
Uh, I, I think the, the actor is fantastic. It's just so weird that there's this, you know, kind of goofy, you know, Lieutenant Ortegas, do this. F- you, Captain. All right, I'll do it. And, and all right, I know I'm, I'm really going crazy on the F-bombs here. I, did, I, did, I, did I break the seal? Did you I did. You broke the seal, seal and I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it does feel weird. Only not, not because it's there, but because it's there so much. You know, a little bit of spice goes a long way. And when almost every exchange between the two of them yeah. is something like that, it, it gets old. There, you know, there needs to be some sir going on because he's the captain. And I, I, maybe that's part of the fundamental reason why I like Star Trek is that things are somewhat buttoned down in the Federation. It is a meritocracy where your actions speak louder than anything else and your performance is the only thing that matters. So to have like a dynamic where now we're going back 100 years from, you know, current Trek time, 25th century, where they're just all like loosey-goosey, gagging around, you know, having a party on the bridge every every episode, it, it kind of undercuts some of the gravitas that Star Trek, um, you know, brings, brings to me. Like, I, I like the fact that you have to be on your game. I like the fact that it's about people doing their best in extreme circumstances and triumphing. Except and, for security. Well, I mean, <laughs> everybody needs a stormtrooper, right? <laughs> so... But uh, yeah, I, yeah, and I, I, I never thought I would say that because one of the things I disliked about Next Gen was that it was so buttoned down, that it was so dour at times, that it, it kind of lost me. But I feel like there's a balance to be had, and I feel like they found it in DS9. I feel like the original series sort of set that tone, and that could be my my original series DS9 bias coming through because I always felt like DS9 was the spiritual successor to TOS. So that was, you know, I, I feel like they're 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 akin. Mm-hmm. And I I agree as far as TNG having that noticeably more buttoned down tone. I think the balance you talk about, they did find it in the later seasons, but cer- certainly in very much in the first season, still a bit in the second season, there was a lot of formality. There was a lot of sticking to procedure and nothing but procedure. Mm-hmm. And then as as the writers and the actors got more comfortable as the seasons went on, then the characters started to uh, loosen up in their in their interactions with each other. But first couple seasons, the way that the writers would try to create procedure just to make it sound more official, is that you, you're, they're never going to say that again. They say it like they like that particular phrase has to be said every time they're going to uh, come out of warp. They're never going to say that again. It's too many words. You don't do that. And that's it. When you say the phrase, I know you guys have spoken about this on other shows. Um, having somebody have a catchphrase in the chair is just the most ridiculous invention ever. The reason why it worked so well for Picard was because it was just organic to his character. So the make it so and um, engage, it, you it wasn't spotlighted. But now, now they made it so freaking meta that it's just like, come on. You know, Kirk didn't have any kind of note. I can't think of anything that Kirk would say regularly to make the ship go. And now we literally have Spock saying, please make the ship go fast. Uh, f*** you. <laughs> it, was, they, they... it was a funny joke in Discovery when Saru was trying to figure no, out what to say. No, it wasn't. I, I, I no, thought it, it was funny. But yeah, it, no, Richard, it should have been left there. We're usually the same guy, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> This is something Star Trek has been doing since they started doing the movies, where 
they'll take a joke line that was a throwaway in an episode and then make it gospel, like, you know, Scotty with the miracle worker thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or, you know, when fans lose their minds because something's in an episode that predates something that happened on TOS and like, oh, nobody knew about that. No, the Enterprise crew didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I... I... <laughs> There are some some yes, some no. Some, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and it's it's not you know across the board, but it's like when I when I was in my twenties, I was I was the canon fascist. I was like that. That's you know one of the reasons I don't read. I didn't read the novels because they always made me crazy. Um, How dare you, sir? I read all the novels and they 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 wallowed in canon. That was the reason <laughs> for the novels. It's the reason I became a novelist. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read How Much for Just the Planet? Yes. I'm so sorry. It was f***ing <laughs> awful. <laughs> but they, they sold it as a comedy. What do you want from me? It's Kirk with his little bow tie on the cover with a Klingon. I, yeah. I even remember the cover. <laughs> now, you know, I'm, if, if it works for the story, I'm fine with it. But sometimes they just take something and they beat it into the ground. And, and, I, I, and I agree with you that when they do that, it just gets really, really annoying. But annoying Trek is better than no Trek. So. Yeah, and... I, <laughs> Come on, Nick. Don't do it. It's I'm, a podcast. I'm, I'm stopping everything so I can make Neek explain that take to Rick's answer. Yeah, I don't. Well, oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Is is bad track better than no track? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you sounded like it's bad. <laughs> because he, here's here's the key when we're facing that question. Is bad Trek better than no Trek? That doesn't mean that we're taking away all of the Trek that has come before. So it becomes, is bad Trek better than rerun Trek? Hmm. Again, I don't know. I, I feel that sometimes bad Trek, for lack of a better word, does undermine old Trek or, you know, good track or whatever, it, it does take away from it. It sours the experience. Like the reboot movies were so bad that, I mean, you can say it was worth it because it revived the franchise, blah, blah, blah. But when they, I don't know, <laughs> I hate being that guy, but I'm that guy who just gets angry when they do things that, that don't fit, that don't work. And I, I mean, I sound so hypocritical because I'm, you know, I, I mock other people for saying this similar things about, you know, other ridiculous minutiae. But I guess, yeah, I guess we all have our thresholds, right? We all have things that bug us. We all have our pet peeves. and We uh, all have yeah. our thresholds, like the Voyager episode. Which Threshold. I actually, I will defend that episode. That's but, not a bad episode I, until the very last, like, five minutes of it. Oh, even the lizard babies are mwah, just <laughs> is that is that you love them or they're delicious or both <laughs> okay, okay I'm not, not going to talk about threshold what I I've been recently rewatching discovery and so I, I rewatched the first season of um, short tracks and my ire was reignited with the way they um, returned to mud and it was bad enough in the original that they were making this absolutely deplorable human um, a comedy character. 
But then to double down on that and make him not just a like sex trafficker, but also a murderer, and then and but continue treating it like it's funny, it, it things like that upset me so much that it it does detract from all of Trek for me. So and that's just one example. But yeah, so yeah. that's that's a perfect example though because I had a lot of problems with the retconned mud in Discovery as well. And it's it, it any redeemable trait if you could even call Harry Mud redeemable in any way, at least he did have a good comedy episode in my opinion with I Mud. I liked that one. I'm not so crazy about Mud's women because it's just screamingly awful, but uh, he he's still like an awful character, but the fact that they just took the a, a, a character here's here's how bad that was. He's an awful character that I didn't really like, yet I think they ruined the character on Discovery, mm-hmm. like a character that I didn't think that I even gave a crap about. Oh my God, you ruined Harry Mud. It's Harry. I'm, now you're making me in like I'm defending Harry Mud. What what universe are we in? Like where? And, and not not to defend, I I kind of like what they did with Mud in in Discovery only because they actually made him deplorable. Yes, they went for the comedy, but Harry Mud was a murderer from the get go. He killed Leo Walsh and took over his identity and stole his ship in Mud's Women. Right. So what I'm saying is, exactly, he's a do bad person. Make hmm? him a villain. Don't make yeah. him a comedy character. But do, do we know that he's that he killed Leo Walsh? He it just is have, he just wrongly intimated. Leo Walsh's identity? Way. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I think it's pretty clear that he murdered Walsh and stole his ship. Hardcore Fenton Mud, why are you? <laughs> they even brought her back. So and and you're right, because think, thinking about what I said about what I've always I've said for a long time, that Bad Trek is better than No Trek. Uh, yeah, Into Darkness was deplorable. Uh, and so was the final frontier in the 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 JJ movies I can set aside because one one thing uh, Abrams did right was setting them as a separate timeline so that everything that happened over there we don't care we cannot care about mm-hmm. um, Le- leaving the greatest transgression being that's where our Spock ended up yeah but that was you fine. know where was no, where was Spock going to end up anyway yeah no I I agree Rick just that making it a different timeline sort of gives them an out or gives us an out as fans yeah. if we don't mm-hmm. like it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have your cake and eat it too is really what it was. It's but their the Kobayashi fun- Maru. Is there no yeah. one scenario so they figured a way they were Kirk. I, I tricked I, I tricked my way out. I cheated my yeah. way out. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I, but, but I, I was fr- glad at my, my initial viewing of, of the 2009 film in the theater when I saw them very clearly say an alternate reality. It's quote Uhura says those words. And once I heard those words, I was like, okay, happiness. I think yeah. her name they, is Nuhura on that. Go to your room. <laughs> oh. um, but like, but yeah, thinking about The Final Frontier, a lot of what Shatner did in that movie, and I don't care if he wants to blame budget cuts on it, the script was terrible. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Rock Monsters would have saved that movie. Oh, right? they just would have. Oh, you're, excuse me. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Kirk fighting the rock monsters was why, yeah. not fighting the rock monsters was why that movie was awful. Um, but yeah, a lot of it did undermine. It undermined the Klingons. It undermined the Romulans. It undermined Scotty, which was probably, you know, even if he was, if he was, uh, 
subconsciously doing it. It was kind of his revenge against Doohan because Doohan was Doohan was hating on Shatner long before anybody else was doing it. I, I, it just. I, I'm going to say that uh, undiscovered country undermines most of Trek because it turned our lovable family of progressive secular humanists into space racists. I mean, it, yeah. But, but I, I have a lot of problems movie, with with six too. Yeah. At least that movie was saying something. I, no, yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with that film because it's the last one with the original cast, and I do like the performances. Um, I just I'm not crazy about the way they framed the TOS crew to make the point that the movie wanted to make. But the move the movie made a valid point. So yeah, so I don't know, and it could be like clueless boomers and Xers like me coming to grips with the fact that oh my god you are biased you are imperialistic you are racist you don't know it you don't think you are but you are so i mean that right there is valid and way ahead of its time but still i like seeing those characters in a certain context so yeah, yeah I, like I I, like I, love I totally hate love saying, hate yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah so, my, at my least problem... it, at least it was a solid movie you know, like yeah. it had a solid story and it, it was saying something. So, mm. yeah, I, I get it. You don't want to, it undermines the characters, but I don't know. I, I might argue they weren't so great to begin with, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but my biggest problems with Six were it was just some of the premises were silly. Like, you know, the, and, and if you read, if you read Nicholas Meyer's book, uh, View from the Bridge, which I highly recommend because it's very entertaining and very enlightening. Um, you know, Nick Meyer didn't know Star Trek from from any other franchise when he was hired to do uh, Wrath of Khan. And when he got to six, he really didn't know much more about it. All he knew was what he what he had done in, in Wrath of Khan. And he was his goal with both movies. And I know we're way off topic here. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to make this quick. His goal with both movies was to make Star Trek accessible to everybody. And yeah, I know that's that's a you know. Um, that's why you get no smoking signs on the bridge and fire extinguishers and, and shit like that. But uh, with with six, you know, they were trying to do a metaphor for how the the Soviet Union was crumbling and and all of that. And so, you know, they came up with this ridiculous conceit that the entire freaking Klingon Empire is dependent on one moon <laughs> for its energy production. Yeah. Um, and then you get the the gravity boots thing, and it's like, how many times have we seen any crew member on the Enterprise go up to a little chute on the wall and drop something into space? Um, so they had to hide the, the the boots in a locker, and that, and that was because of Meyer's uh, adoration of Sherlock Holmes. Um, he even wrote the the Seven Percent Solution was his first published work, which is a, a Sherlock Holmes fan fiction, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's why that whole investigation thing went on. And then there's Spock mind raping Valeris, which was absolutely horrific, you know. So there, there were a lot of problems with that movie, um, but I still don't think it was anywhere near as bad as as five because the the problems in six, like like you know, and maybe this is similar to what you were saying, Nick. Were sincere. The movie was sincere. It was trying to be a solid film, and and Meyer knew what he was doing. You know, it was it was competent, whereas five was just a. Uh, amateur shit show from the get-go in my opinion <laughs> i'll tell you what though i mean you need your pain and that's part of it so <laughs> you, you should thank it roundabout <laughs> i don't want my pain taken away i need my pain 
Uh, yeah, we but, we saw that on the Enemy Within. We know this. It, it's the only line that I hang on to from from that movie, just because it, it's preposterous. That and Marsh Marshmallows, Marshmallows. Yeah, who the hell says that? <laughs> that okay, it, it's it's the I need my pain line and the fact that I think it was I think it might have been Kraft that marketed the Marshmallow Dispenser. After that movie, does came anybody out. have that? I don't. Not anymore. I think Nick has it. it. I, Nick, has I think, it. <laughs> Nick has the Canadian version of it. <laughs> I think that Tom it's and I metric. had it when we exactly. were exactly. <laughs> you did. I think we did. I don't know uh, where it is. I don't know what happened to it, but I I'm think sure we Tom could tell you. Time. Tom's like, I have it. My precious, it's under his bed. <laughs> He got all the good stuff when he moved out. <laughs> Is he the older brother? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Because he beat you up for it, that's all. Yeah. Okay. So, I think we've done enough not theorizing about uh, Strange New World <laughs> Season 2. Suffice to say, we're all looking forward to it. We enjoyed the first season. I think we're probably going to enjoy the second season as well. It's going to be goofy at times, but it's also going to be solid. I have strong expectations. Chris, you had something to say. No, I, I just I wonder where um, you guys land on it. Maybe contradicting established canon. I think we're I, maybe we, we talked about this a little bit, but I don't I mind don't, it as much as long yeah. as it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think we and, I don't think we took it around the table, but but we we did touch on it. I, for for me personally, I if if they are prioritizing telling a good story and telling it well then I'm satisfied. If they do that and find a clever way to make it fit into canon in a way that's believable, that's icing on the cake. That's even better. But if if new productions, if new stories need to bend previously established canon in order to make it fit, if it's in the service of a good story, then I can accept that. I, hope, I usually am not very bothered by it. I... I like the notion of preserving canon when it's possible because it takes a certain amount of cleverness to do that and I I like when the pieces can all fit together. But if they're going to break canon and they have a good reason for it, then then that's fine. The only thing that things that they've done on Strange New Worlds that really rupture canon uh, are Spock into Pring and Nurse Chapel. And I'm loving both of those, so I don't care. Mm. I think the, the, the Spock to Pring thing, especially when they let it get a little silly, is gold. The, the, the two actors have such a wonderful chemistry together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that has a lot to do with the actor who plays to Pring. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that I don't mind at all. I think that they are doing the character of of Christine Chapel a huge service by expanding her and, and and letting her have some agency whereas she was just you know a lovelorn jilted fiance and then someone who was mooning after Spock for for 3 seasons. I think that's a magical problem more than a chapel problem but uh, oh wow! Sixties writing. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot going on there. But I I have no problems seeing number one as a character with agency, 
Um, I have a lot of problems with Chapel as she's written in the original series. So there's, I feel mm. like there's there's a line between those two. I feel like if Magil had been given the chance to play the character that she was originally cast to play, she would have been as good as she was as Luxwana. But the fact that she was like pigeonholed into Space Nurse and was on set just because, yeah. And mm. I think they did that pining for Spock thing just to give her something to do. And I don't know, like maybe maybe she's a bad actress or she's a wooden actress, so maybe she was just bored and taking her paycheck. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I've said it on this show. When we interviewed Herb Solo for yes. Starbase. I listened to that's a great episode. If nobody's heard that, oh. you should go back and find it. Herb was a ama- and we had to tell him to stop, you know, and as a you know, <laughs> literally we, we like Nick tells from, us to stop you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, the guy was in his late seventies, I think. And, you know, we talked to him for like an hour and we're like, well, you know, we don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so much. And he's like, well, let me tell you a story. And then he went on for like another hour. Um, it was amazing. The, the, you know, he was just so full of stories, not just Star Trek. We talked about the man from Atlantis, too. And uh, and, you know, just lots of st- he was he was a, a wonderful guest and just full of tales. Um, but I asked him straight up. I said, how did how did you all deal with the fact that the, the you know, the, the network said they didn't want a woman on, you know, as second in command? And he said, that's bullshit. That's not what happened. They didn't have any faith in Major Barrett as an actor, and that was their problem. Not that there was a woman on the bridge; it was they didn't think Major Barrett could could carry a show like that. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. It's interesting because I I feel like our memories of Nurse Chapel are skewed. I I say this speaking for myself because I've noted and I've noticed the same thing in other people is that I I have a certain perception of what she was in my memory. And then because of Strange New Worlds and because I am a canonista, I would then go back and watch, you know, specific episodes of the original to compare and was really surprised. I was like, oh, she's actually different than I remember. She's doing so much more than I thought. Like Majel, the actress, is doing so much more than what's on the page. And there are certain episodes where she is sassy. And I was like, well, that's where it comes from. Because I kept making jokes in my recaps of Strange World saying like, oh, you know, where is this new personality coming from? Or like, you know, within the timeline, what happens that she loses all this personality? And then going back and rewatching, I was like, oh, she didn't lose it. She always had a little bit of edge to her, a little bit of sass. She always had a, bit of, a little bit of talk back with McCoy. And she sort of messed around with some other people as well. I mean, there, again, there was so little on the page, but she did a lot with what she was given. So all this like shit talking on Chapel, I do not accept it. <laughs> I just did a rewatch of TOS, and there were moments, but if okay to toe that line, wasted opportunity then because I saw I saw potential mm-hmm. in number one that I felt was squandered in the character of Chapel. Not to say that Chapel didn't have her moments, not to say that Aurora, Nichelle was sparkling in so much of what she was given, and she was given shit. She well, was given it. the worst. I mean, it's, it's obvious the show, I mean, all TV shows at that time were underwriting female characters. So, I mean, listen, you know, 
all I'm saying, let's let's give the actresses the credit they deserve for doing as much as they did with what they were given, which wasn't much. And and let me let me clarify. I am I am not in any way uh, uh, denigrating Major Barrett. Uh, no, I know. Yeah. You know, I think I, I you know, and I, Luis, you know. Luxana gets a lot of shit. She's one of my favorite characters. I love what she's done, what she did in TNG and DS9. Yeah, um, I like her as well. Uh, yeah. It's it's what it's what the the suits were all saying. You know, Roddenberry did a lot of revisionist history on his on his. You think? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, regardless of whether she had the ability or not, it wasn't the suits being sexist, although they were incredibly at the time. It was that they didn't have confidence in her. Whether that was justified or not, I can't say. And but yeah, but but to bring it back to Strange New Worlds, um, I I am someone who is deeply dedicated to canon. <laughs> John and I agree on most things, and that's the one place where we really diverge. <laughs> um, it like almost makes me depressive when they break canon, and I do so many mental gymnastics. Or I turn it into a joke. Like in my recaps, I just turn it into jokes because it, it's like a coping mechanism for me mm. to deal with them breaking canon. But as you've all said, what they're doing in Strange New Worlds is so compelling that you sort of just cross your eyes and go, la, 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 it's fine. Just because they are doing things that, you know, I wish they would have done in the original, which, things that they obviously would never have because it was mm -hmm. the 60s. I mean, stuff that they never did in the 80s, even and, in the 90s. Stuff that the, they only can do now because writers, I guess, have caught up to the, the fact that women are human beings. Yeah. It, it's an aspect of the Strange New Worlds TOS um, you know, integration being so close in the, in the canon timeline that if a Trek series is going to bend, break, or rewrite canon, I'm more okay with it being Strange New Worlds than most other series because they're dealing with canon that was set in the 1960s during the production of TOS and canon that was built around that worldview and that mindset of a 1960s writer's room. I think we can live with some of those elements of canon being, being rewritten because they were coming from not the most enlightened place. For sure. Just just to point out, there was no writer's room for TOS. There was Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah, there were writers giving scripts to Gene, and right. he would rewrite them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I have to say, I meant I mean, metaphorically because I don't know my TV history. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Scott, you point out like maybe the biggest sea change because I feel like a lot of and having grown up reading them, and they literally are responsible for turning me into a writer. The Star Trek no novel series spent so much time trying to like delve into canon minutia and to like resolve differences differences in canon, and like I feel like I come from a Star Trek where you have that, and then you have Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager and, and even Enterprise where you want them to adhere to that canon, and they try their best. And that's where the fun comes in, in reconciling those inevitable flaws, those inevitable contradictions. Like that to me is like, when I wanna write a book, like I think, okay, where is there a difference in canon and how can I explain that away? What story happened here that we haven't seen yet? Mm -hmm. And Strange of the World just saying, yeah, we don't give a f 
it, it's strange the world it's it's the 21st century guys it's it, it's fine you know star trek will endure we don't have to treat it like this sacred cow that we all have to you know bow to so that we can appease every single fan that's ever been because it's bigger than all of us and it needs to be relevant and current to tell stories that keep it going forward so right. if that means not adhering to the canon that I love and to the trek that made me like so so enthused about it, it's it's a different thing for me, but it's still trek. So I, I feel like if they're gonna break it going forward, it's because you have to. You don't have a choice. Like you you you, you have to keep it relevant in a way that is engaging to the younger people that are watching. Otherwise, it will just die on the vine. Mm -hmm. And you can rail about canon all you want, but they don't give a crap, you know? And they need those new fans to go on and to, to carry the, the standard, you know? So, so that's why, I feel like that's why I'm okay with it. So when we say we're, we're of two minds, or it seems like we're contradictory or hypocritical, but there's the trek that I love and what I like to wallow in and then the reality of the franchise and where it needs to be. So that's that's where I find my like I can I can separate the two. Mm -hmm. Well, you remember and, and you re I'm sure you remember in 1986 or 87 when TNG came out and I, hated I you know it. hated yeah, it. <laughs> I I was like if it, you know this is heresy. Right. Me too. Um, <laughs> you know, there was it was like 15 years between the end of TOS and, and the beginning of TNG and I, I forget how long it's been since the end of Enterprise and the beginning of Discovery but it was a similar stretch of time and I don't think the differences were any greater now than they were then but now there's the internet and this is going back to why I didn't have an answer for your question earlier Scott because you were like which, which premiere were you looking forward to it's such a different landscape now because back when it, when it was TNG and then DS9 and Voyager and then Enterprise, we didn't have the internet. We had, you know, comparatively an eyedropper full of information before any new series premiered or before the, the new season of a, of a series. Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, aside from, from Best of Both Worlds, where that was the greatest cliffhanger of all time, you know, you know greatest cliffhanger of Star Trek, arguably one of the greatest cliffhangers in television history. You know, aside from that, which sadly, Best of Both Worlds Part 2 did not live up to the, the promise of Part 1. Mm. I mean, it was still fine, but it, it just, you know, there was no way, I think, that they could have done a satisfactory. Right. Know, but, but all we knew at the time was there was a good chance Patrick Stewart wasn't coming back in the next season. Whereas now, you know, contract negotiations are practically, you know, done in public <laughs> on a yeah, live stream. You know they, they can, it, they proved with uh, the season of Picard that you can still keep some things under wraps, which I think was Neek's favorite part of the entire third, third season. But Scott had asked us, what season premiere did we most look forward to in the past? And I, I was unable to answer that question because all of them we look forward to because all we knew was Star Trek's coming back September 21st, Wednesday night, we're going to be there. And, and you know, there might have been an article or two in Starlog. We might have seen a, a picture here or there in, you know, in, a, in a, a, a newspaper blurb or something. 
but there was nowhere near the glut of information we get now. And yeah, so, but it it wasn't necessarily about how much information we had going in. It was about how much information we had at the end of the previous season. And we we certainly can't turn this into like you know a segment or or full on discussion. But we can do a, a little epilogue as far as anticipated season premieres because we are coming up on our out time. Um, but and I had used Best of Both Worlds as an example because that's like the easiest one. That's that that's what most people would say. But two other examples that I had of season premieres that I was really looking forward to was uh, also in TNG, uh, season seven, which would have been uh, part two of Descent. And the reason that was so anticipated was because it was it was not a Best of Both Worlds level cliffhanger. But it was still something pretty significant. We, you had self-aware, uh, individual identifying Borg, and at the very, they, they kept it until the very end of the episode, the last, like, I want to say, sixty seconds of the episode. Lore shows up, who we haven't seen since Brothers, and we find out he's the one leading the Borg. Data is now working for him, and then the credits. Quick, uh, what and, is and, happening and, right now? We were freaking out. So we were hmm. really hotly anticipating the season seven premiere. The other premiere, I'll just throw this out real quick. Uh, I, the, my honorable mention is not even a season premiere, but it's the third episode of Enterprise season four. And I was anticipating that because it meant, good, now we're finally done with this goddamn stupid travel back in time alien Nazis time travel story that they tacked on to the end of a magnificent season long story arc in Enterprise with Zindi and we wrap up the Zindi and all of a sudden okay uh, alien Nazis great no give me the third episode where they get back to earth and, home yes they're the best home. episode of Enterprise home right it, yeah. it's it's magnificent but the the the, the other premiere that I was really looking forward to was Deep Space Nine season five premiere because at the end of season four, Odo reveals to everyone that uh, Gowron, the Chancellor of the Klingon High Council, is a changeling. Who Now all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen going into the next season? It's the season finale that sets you up to really want the next season to come around. And that was a great season closer. So we were really looking forward to the, the beginning of the next season. I think what you speak to there, Scott, is a sense of anticipation that I haven't felt um, since DS9 and Farscape has been on the air. Mm. Like, I, I, can't sp I can't speak to a specific season finale, but I loved DS9 so much that people knew not to bother me on Saturdays at 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock, whenever it was on here, because mm. it was just DS9 time. And the anticipation to see what was going on, whether it be a season finale or not, week after week, same thing when Farscape was on on Saturdays. Forget about it. Like, just stay away. Just Laura knew to leave the room just because I needed to be invested 1,000% in this because it was so good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I miss, I think, with all new TV, not just new Trek. I mean, if you're going to talk season finale, I mean, I want to see um, the anticipation that I had between MIA and the leap back on Quantum Leap, the greatest season finale of all time, in my opinion. Um, like, I want, I want something to grab me like that again. And new Trek... I'm, I'm sorry to say this, we'll never do it. It just won't. And maybe because that's, I'm at a, I'm at a different place in my life. And I, I don't know, but I, I feel I think like. it's age. I yeah. think it's because we're old. 
Right. So I, I don't react to I'm not being flippant. I think it's mm -hmm. true. Like, no, no, I think you're right. We've just experienced so much in our lives that we don't get that same sense of excitement for things like TV shows or, or really anything. Just because, you know, I mean, not to overstate it, but sort of like we've seen it all. It's just like things get more muted as you age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're less easy to impress. And, and so, <laughs> you know what, Nick? You remind me of uh, I took a cooking class once, and uh, the, the the chef that was teaching us told us, you know, when you cook for old people, they don't care what it is. is it hot. Is it hot? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like are we getting to the is it hot stage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like you know. You're, you're not wrong, and I'm I'm sorry that as young as you are, you're. You're, you're experiencing that because I thought because I'm pushing 60 that that was you know I've kind of seen it all well I'm um, pushing 50 so you know it's not that <laughs> far off I mean we're we're middle-aged you know and we're just we're, we're not kids anymore yeah. yeah so we just don't get excited the same way yeah I think about it yeah I got it I think the leap back came out I was probably gosh 21 and that's when you're the most passionate about everything in your oh, whole yeah. life ever. So yeah. yeah. So maybe it is just circumstance, right? Maybe it's not the greatest episode of Quantum Leap of all time, but it is to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like what what you were saying, Scott, about Descent Part Two. I hadn't really thought about it, but when you mentioned it, at that point, I was just angry as hell because they had announced that season seven of TNG was going to be the last season, and we were pissed as hell because there was no legitimate reason for it because viewership was fine, the ratings were fine. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until much later that we found out that, you know, seven seasons, 100 episodes was the magic number for for uh, syndication, although TNG was already in syndication. So, yeah, it was first run syndication. Which yeah, is, it was yeah. The, one of the first shows to do that. So we were all and, very, very puzzled by the by season seven being the end. And, and then I think, I think they hit done, their like I think that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think they hit their hundred episodes like in in season five. I think I want to yeah, say that they, I think Redemption was their hundredth episode. Yeah, they 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 had plenty. So we we it was it was baffling, and we were. It, it's funny when I think about it because you know in at the beginning of TNG I was so much against it, and then when they finally canceled it, I was like, "You fucking bastards." <laughs> One thing that is not going to get canceled is this podcast, because we have a whole season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds to talk about, and none of that talk is going to be happening anymore tonight because it is time to go. We're yes. going to wrap up this episode, and I'm going to thank the entire panel for joining us this week. Uh, Rick, thank you so much for being here and joining us. Uh, where can people find you in the wild, wild internet? Uh, nowhere. You can find me on this show and occasionally on Captain Game Show. Uh, and that's, that's about it. All right. Well, maybe someone else can give us a more uh, exciting answer. Neek, where can people find <laughs> you on the internet? Well, if you're young, then this will be exciting. Warning. Warp core collapse.